Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've got a very special guest with me, a treat to have this gentleman on with me. He is the host of the daily podcast, The Sales Life. And you can find him on LinkedIn at Marsh Bice, B-U-I-C-E. What a a Louisiana name for a Louisiana dude. I love me some Louisiana dudes. Marsh Bice on with me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Marsh, how are you today, my friend? Brother, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. It means a lot. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. Let me start here with you. Um, we talked a little bit about, before we, we started recording this podcast, about processes and, and, and things we do in, in our, our day-to-day lives. I've been in sales and sales management, customer engagement now going on 25 years. And so you accumulate a lot of things. When you talk about, when you hear somebody say, what's your sales process? What's the first thing that comes to mind immediately for you when you hear, when you hear that terminology? The, the first thing that comes to, to mind um, is the, the foundation, um, Brian, because you, you need a foundation um, in sales and also in life, man. That's why I call my podcast The Sales Life because sales is is not just a profession. It's a life skill that we must all develop because we're all selling our way through life. So when you talk about a process, man, you know, the, the first thing you got to have is is the foundation because if all you come in and all you navigate your life through is just sheer emotions, mm-hmm. then you're going to get you're going to get yanked around in life. You're going to get ripped back and forth and you're going to, you're going to lose your way and you could quit. And so I guess the foundations, man, are something, it's my buoy in the storm. Um, And it's something, dude, that I can cling a hold to in good times and bad, in good times so that I can amplify my success. And in bad times, it, it's the rung that I need that I can grab a hold of to get myself back into that rhythm again. Well, and I say that because sales process to me has been an, such an over jargonized term. You know, everybody wants to talk about the process. And Marsh, here's the thing. I don't think enough emphasis gets put on the people. We we talk so much about the process and, and everybody says, well, what's your process? What's your process? Well, here's the thing. Selling to individuals and selling to buyers is different from person to person. So why is it do you think more more emphasis is put on the process rather than the people? meaning what what do you mean well again i i think the sales process everybody everybody is so keen on focusing on that that we forget that every buyer is different instead of focusing on what's important to that particular buyer 
in that particular moment, in that particular setting, and throwing your process out the window a little bit. The jargonized term of process. Did I am, am I making okay. a little more yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. So so here's here's my thing. You know, a process is almost in the skeleton form, it's it's a um it, it's it, it's the thing, it's it's almost like your script. And you have to, first of all, you have to come in with some sort of a process. When I played offensive line, um, there was a process. And it started, Brian, from, you know, from every single day, dude, we got in our three-point stance. We got in our racehorse stance. And racehorse was that pass for us position. Because we had to make sure we were in the position. Because otherwise, if you weren't, then you were going to get beat off the ball. Or you didn't have the right leverages. So I don't think you can throw process out the window. I think you have to, you have to, you have to train, you have to learn on a process until you can find your own voice. Right. And through the repetitions, that's where you find the voice, the repetition. So how do you connect better with a customer? The only way that you're going to get better is number one, sticking to a process, something that is more assembly line thought. But then also through the reps, then you can start through your experience. Yeah. Then you can start layering on top. You can, there's the bones. Then you can start laying the skin and the muscles and everything else on top of that and be able to further help your customers. Initially, dude, you're going to suck. Initially, you're going to be very yeah. robotic. It's because you're parroting somebody else's voice, Brian, from who have taken years of experience. This is what worked for me. Here's the process. Yep. So you've got to parrot somebody else's voice and, until you can find your own. And, Marsh, that's the thing is, is that, you know, when you were playing O-line, and we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second because I think that's fascinating. When you were playing O-line, every guy that you played against every Saturday was different. They had different techniques mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to rush the passer. They had different ways to, to get to the quarterback. And so you had to literally – and, and, and that's where I was coming from a minute ago. Literally play to play, that guy that you've been lining up against all day might throw something different at you, or he might come at right. you at a different angle, or, or you might be a step slow if you're in a pass block situation of rocking back into your stance to get ready to block. Right. You might have come off the ball a little bit late, or he may have come off the ball a half a second earlier than he did the play before. So how did those, those techniques and those repetitions help you from game to game develop yourself into the kind of offensive lineman that you knew you were? It's, 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 it's learning. It's mastering the art of it, man. I'm so intrigued. I was intrigued because here the, the number one thing for me was uh, was my advantage was my disadvantages in college. I was small. I was actually told you're too small to play college ball. I was 6'3", 210 pounds playing offensive line. Just totally not the man. Um, and they told me when I came to McNeese or just came for a visit, they said, I'm, I'm sorry, son, you're too small to play college ball. You really and should have been a tight end, right? I mean, you were built yeah. more like a tight end than an offensive yeah. lineman. Yeah, so here I come to Lake Charles, Louisiana, and I'm I'm a I'm a boy among men. These guys are huge. These guys are 270, 280, and here I am at 210. I got stressed out. I lost weight. I was 205 for a while playing offensive line. 
So I said this, I said, well, my advantage is I'm not, I'm not six, six, I'm not your prototype uh, right tackle. Uh, so I don't have the height advantage. I'm tall, but not that tall. And I don't have, I'm not massively strong. And uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I don't have the, the hulking frame. But my advantage, Brian, was in my disadvantages where I said, okay, what do you have? And so I started studying the tendencies of not only who, who I was, you know, before the call, we were talking about Anthony Munoz, who I love to watch growing up. So I watched how he dealt with uh, his opponents. And then as I lined up with opponents also, I started studying the film, man, of their tendencies. Those guys are gonna do something new to me when they see my tendencies and they're studying my tendencies. And so it's through those repetitions, man, that yes, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna blow assignments. Yes, my quarterback's gonna get sacked because of me. Yes, I'm gonna cause a fumble. But in those situations, man, there is so much experience in that also, Brian, where I can learn and then take that stuff forward. So taking it on to the blacktop, man, taking it into sales, it's the same thing. And so, you know, you get taught the, the outline of the, the, uh, the processes and then working with those customers and experience after experience. I say every customer that you have, Brian, is not one customer. Every customer that you have, dude, is probably five or six customers. Yeah. Because in that, you have five or six or seven different experiences and situations and questions and, and walls that you come up against yeah. that you had no idea, and you've got to figure it out. The process isn't going to help you figure it out. It's that developing that intuition where you say, oh, man, I'm stuck. And you sit there in the tension, and you sit there and say, okay, what are they telling me? What's missing? Where can I go with this? How can I create the story that's going to bridge the gap and go from there? And Marsh, I love what you said there because here's the thing about football. You can execute your assignment to perfection. The offense can execute, all 11 guys can execute the play exactly as it was called and designed. And you get stopped for no gain or there's a loss mm -hmm. of yardage, things like that. Because the defense has executed their assignment just as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people, I think, especially in these unusual times, have said, I've executed well, I've done things properly, but I'm running up against a defense that is, that is just as stout as I am. And the defense, in these times that we're in right now, business is not normal. Things are not normal. We've come up against something as a society that is a, is a stout defender. It's a really stout defender in, in, in COVID-19. So my question to you is this. Some of those mental things that you, that you used to, to work your way on to the, to the team and say, hey, I know I'm not the biggest. I know I'm not the strongest. I know I'm not the fastest. But here's what I can bring. How does a person take that mentality and that approach to do what they do in business particularly well? They may not be the Walmart of, of their community, but maybe they do one or two things really well. So how do they transfer that same mentality to their business and what they're doing day to day? That's a great question. Uh, two things on that. Number one, the, the uh, mentioning the COVID-19. It's the greatest equalizer 
that we have. I was just on the phone before you and I started talking with one of the bank reps. And it is it has rocked, obviously, the world. It has rocked all of our industries. But what a great equalizer. So if you were behind, because of this situation, it is now everybody's back at the starting line. So all these years where you've said, oh, my God, man, I, I wish I would have started 10 years ago. I wish I would have done this. Had I done this, I would have been here today. Okay, we're back at zero. Now what? And the greatest equalizer that you have is during these uncertain times, what are you doing? That's the thing, man. Are you sitting there still talking about, oh, man, I wish I would have started. I wish I would have done something. Or are you leveraging these opportunities where you say, oh my God, I got all this, I got all this extra time. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. So in answer to your question, everybody has a competitive advantage. Everybody. You just don't realize you have a competitive advantage. And your competitive advantage boils down to what I call the seven C's. It's, 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 uh, it's communication. It's connection, it's creativity, it's curiosity, it's consistency, it's continuous learning, and it's being able to handle criticism. Okay, out of all that, like for you, let, let's talk about you, Brian. You're, you're, you're great in, in, in communication, and you're great in connection, and you're very curious. Just talking to you, that's the first. So if you didn't have any of those other things, you got three things right there. I know how to communicate, I know how to connect, and I'm very curious. I'm curious to know what everybody's story is. I'm curious to know what makes them an intentional encourager. So my thing is to you, to you as in everybody, is you have a competitive advantage. Stop worrying about what's in the other dog's bowl. Yeah. We want to eat in everybody else's bowl. That's a great point, when, Marsh. She's eating your whole bowl. You have something in there. I am not. I, I have not been a great connector. And part of it goes way back, many, many years, to the point where it, it started many years ago, where here I am, a white guy, dating black women in the South. And that was not, that was not cool at all. It was very taboo. So because of that, I learned to close my ranks. I learned to stay to myself. I learned to not communicate or connect because I didn't want to be judged and I didn't want to be criticized. Yep. So what that caused me to do is it caused me not to be a good connector. Mm -hmm. But along the way, one thing, my competitive advantage is I was um, a, a, a continuous learner. I'm always interested in learning. I just didn't apply it in the right way. Yep. I read all the books. I just didn't apply them to my life. I also became good at being able to weather the criticism, weather the storms, being told I'm too small, you're too this, you're not this, you're not, you, you, you'll never make it, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be successful like such and such. I was able to, due to my football background, take that and rechannel it and apply it to my life and, and use it more so as energy instead of using it as, as an excuse. So to, to boil it all down, dude, find your competitive advantage. It's one of those seven C's yeah. or it's a few of those seven C's. Just start right there. If you, if you just identify the two or three things that you have right there, build off of that and then realize also what you're not good at. I'm 
learning to be a better communicator. I'm a connector. I can communicate. I just wasn't com connecting. So I'm learning. It's very awkward for me and you to when I when you and I first got on the phone because I didn't know what to say. I'm like I, I don't know. It's it's not about what to say. It's how you connect. And I can't tell you how long I delayed in talking to you because I was scared to connect. Well, here's the and thing. So I had to yeah. I had to force myself out of my comfort zone to say connect with the dude. Well, and I'm in sales. I got to connect. Yeah, but but here's, I don't do it in my personal life. Right, but here's the thing to that point too, is that you know for me, I am a conversation junkie. I like talk radio. I like sports talk radio, especially. I'm a conversation junkie. So for me, a good conversation is, is good because I can carry a conversation. I know how to carry mm -hmm. a conversation pretty well. And, and I can ask questions that, that continue to draw a conversation and prolong it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You and I talked, you and I talked recently uh, and I'm wearing a Marshall jacket for a reason. My, my, my boy played at, at McNeese State in, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. You were telling me about the, the, the single defeat that you had in college that you still think about to this day. And it was in, in 1995 to my Marshall Thundering Hearn when I was no. a student at Marshall University. Go Hearn. Uh. I want to ask you, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. What did you take away from that defeat to Marshall that you still think about and put into practice to this day? Wow. Recovery. Um, the only time I made the front page of the paper was the day after that game, every Sunday, dude, I would go get a newspaper to see, you know, those action shots that line oh, yeah. the BN where the oh, photographer's yeah. on the sideline. You're like, he's pancaking somebody. Yeah. It's a, yeah, exactly. So every, every Sunday, man, I, I would go get the paper. So that Sunday after the game, after we lost, I was devastated. One, one went away from going to the finals. And I know if we would have went to the finals, we would have won. Of course, everybody says that. Go get a newspaper. I'm on the front page of the paper. I still have it somewhere around here. And I use it as a reminder. My head's in my hands. I'm crying. And the biggest, boldest print you can put across the front is it's over. Mm. And, and it's a symbolism of many times, who says it's over? And many times we, we read the headlines of what somebody else put for us and say, it's over. Yep. And recovery was the biggest thing. Cause I remember Brian, when I went to the field hall house the next day, they'd moved on. The coaches had already gone on to another season. I was done. There was no, there was yep. no year coming back for me. And I remember that feeling that I had that it was all just a transaction. That's, and so if that's the case, then what are you going to do from here? This is it. You're not going pro. I tried out, but I didn't go pro. I was all American. I was all Louisiana. But I didn't. I was too small. So what do you do from here? And so the, the, my mantra that has always been, I was always discounted. I was always too – I was always last to be chosen on the team. I was always too small. 
I always had to prove myself. I was always at a disadvantage, but I'm never out. I don't care what's happened in my life. I'm never out. And it's never over until I say it is. And it's been a hard road, man. Well, and, and I love what you said there because you thought differently of the relationship than the coaching staff did of the relationship. And I think that's so true in sales because I've heard if I had a nickel, man, for every time I'd heard a sales guy say this, I've got such a great relationship with that customer. Then why did they just leave you 10 minutes ago? Because mm -hmm. it was over for them, right? To the point about your coaches, you're going to go to the, to the field house the next day. You're going to see, oh man, you know, my O-line coach is going to put his arm around me. It's going to be all right. And to your point, man, they moved on. Yeah. They moved on. And so a lot of times I think that's where people have gotten the misconception about salespeople is you're just out to make this a transaction instead of mm -hmm. building a relationship. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think to your point there, Marsh, I love what you said about recovery because for a lot of people in their business, customers were just a transactional piece and not yeah. somebody they build a relationship with. And now to your point about things being totally different, now these businesses are in recovery mode because now they've got to rebuild those relationships with customers that this pandemic has, has caused some social distancing between them and their customer. What do you say to that small business that says, how am I going to recover from this? This is going to be, this is going to be what, what a, what, what a, an advantage that you have during this time is how do you learn to connect in such a way when you don't have the luxury of customers walking through your door. And I think people took that advantage, took that for granted. Oh, they're going to come in. What happens when they don't? Yeah. And so how do you learn to connect from a distance? and be genuinely concerned about their needs and how you can provide for them. How you, can you provide a solution for them? And so you're saying that some businesses will need to reconnect. I say businesses need to learn to connect. You never, you, you probably never connected. Good point. It was all a transaction. I tell my guys, man, do not treat your customers like a one night stand. And that's many times what we do. Hello, my name is Marsh. I'm a salesman. Let's do it. Thank you. Remember me next time. And we treat them like a booty call. That's so, yeah, that's so true. That is so true because here's the thing. Because, because when I came up in sales, when I, when I was coming up in sales, it was, and, and I worked on straight commission with the exception yeah, of too. a little draw. I worked on straight commission. And so, you know, you were trying to get every, and we got paid on gross profit. So you were trying to make a little more money and your customer was going, wait a minute, uh, you charged me 15 bucks for that last week and this week it's 15.10 or 15.20? What's up? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there going, uh, 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 in the back of my mind going, well, my kid needs diapers. Yeah. That 20 cents is going to start adding up. I get paid a little more on that. Yeah. And so 
to your point, Marsh, you're exactly right. Balancing that to where it's like, okay, if, if I am providing you a great product, a great service, and, and other intangibles that you don't have to pay for, but you get because of me in this relationship, my experience, my knowledge, these things can help you make more money. I'm worth 20 cents. And if I'm not, we got a problem. Because if, I'm not, 20, I, if I'm not worth 20 cents, then, then we got a problem. Yeah. I tell customers all the time, you know, I'm $50,000. The Dodge Durango is free. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. You're paying, you're, you're buying me. And I just throw in the Durango. I throw in the vehicle. The vehicle's free. You're paying that 50, 70, 80 grand. You're paying for what I can, you're, you're paying for what I can provide for you. And not only am I going to help you find the right product, but also everything I tell you, bro, you can take it to the bank. And if you ask me the question two weeks later, I'm going to answer it the same way. I don't need to drum up some BS story to get you to buy anything. You don't have to be a good closer if you can be a good opener. I just need to connect better. I need to find out exactly what you need and do I have something that will work for you? And if I do, here's the solution. And I'm going to be here for you in the future. When I see you somewhere else, I'm going to know you by name. That's, that's the thing, man. And that's, that's what I get, you know, that's what I, 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 I try to focus so much with my salespeople is it's the loan game, man. Play yeah. the round, not the hole. Yeah. Hey, don't blow up because you, you, you're, you're four over on this one hole. Play the whole damn round. Yep. And then at the end of the round, after the end of the 18 holes, at the end of the 23-day month, then let's look at everything. Well, but and, don't get blown up on this one thing. Well, and here's the thing, too. Everybody, you know, it, it's it, – and I forget who said it, man, but, but, I, but I love it. I, it might have been Lawrence Taylor. No, 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 it was Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson said everybody gets everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it's what happens. Marsh to me, and I hate this word. I hate the word passion. Everybody's like, yeah. Well, you're so passionate. You're so Follow no. your passion. <laughs> yeah. I'm purposeful. Yeah. If I've got a purpose every day for getting up in the morning mm -hmm. to go help somebody. I'm going to get up those mornings I don't feel like it. I'm sure there were days when you were playing college football, you you would have rather been anywhere but in the, but in the weight room. You hurt. Yeah. You didn't feel good. Yeah. You know, that's – everybody loves the game on Sundays, but they don't see what these guys go through Monday through Saturday to get ready to play on Sunday. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants the results. They don't want them to do the work. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you this. When, when you got into your sales career, was that the one thing that replaced the competitiveness of football? Because a lot of athletes that get to that college level and then play beyond, play in the NFL and things like that, when they leave the game, they've got to find something to do to replace mm -hmm. that competitive outlet. Was that mm -hmm. sales for you? Yeah, and I didn't realize it was, though. I was working, I was working as a surveillance supervisor at a casino. So I would sit in a dark room for 12 hour shifts, looking at screens all around me. Um, and I just, one day, dude, I just sat up in my chair. I'm like, this freaking sucks, man. Like, where's my life going to play out from there? 
and not knocking anybody who's in the casino industry. I just, I didn't see where this was going to, what's the big picture here? Where's this going? And so uh, the first book I ever read was The Secret of Closing Sales by Charles Roth. I'll never forget it. It's mm -hmm. the first book I ever read cover to cover. I got all through college and never read a book cover to cover. It was the first book I ever read. It's terrible now. If you read it now, you're like, oh my God. But <laughs> it, just, it, it, it sparked the, it sparked the, it sparked the curiosity where I said, I wonder if I can do this. And so let me tell you what I did. So I, I ran into the owner at the gym. The guy I still work for now, 22 years later, I'm still working with. I ran into him at the gym. I said, you, I, you think I could do sales? And he said, Marsh, I'm always looking for talent. And so I started thinking and I said, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I went and interviewed, I got the job. And so, you know, cause you know, in, in the car business, if you're breathing and you can pass a background check and piss in a cup then you're hired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so I went in the, 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 a couple hours before my shift was supposed to start at the casino, sure paying job. I went in and I said, I quit. And they were like, Marsh, you can't do this to us. Like your shift is going to start in a few hours. We're going to have to call somebody in. You do realize if you do this, you cannot come back. And Brian, I'll, I'll tell you what I told them. I said, if I do this, I'm doing this because I won't be back. Yep. I'm burning the boat on purpose because I knew, Brian, if I knew me, and if I had that option to go back, as soon as it would have got tough, I would have went back. Well, some people want to keep the boat around just in case. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, and we do that in life. We do that in, in situations. We do that in relationships. We do that on our, in our career because even as bad as the situation is, as toxic as things are, as unhappy as you are, you would rather hold on to the familiar vomit than to venture out into the darkness of the unknown, yeah. not knowing what's going to happen. Yep, and because that's what people it, do all day yeah, long. They're, they're safety and comfort in. So I got to ask you in the few minutes that we've got left on the podcast today. What's the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your in your professional or personal or, or selling career? Um, well, I'll quickly walk walk you through it, and you just pick one. Um, so I got into the car business, had terrible credit, built my credit up, um, was super good. Uh, started living way above my means, ended up bankrupt, ended up divorced, ended up demoted. The same dealership I work at now, I was a general sales manager. Now I got demoted to assistant finance manager. I wasn't even a, a full manager, Brian. I got called in and they said, you have two choices. A, be fired or B, you can go work in the back office as an assistant. And all the guys that had answered to me before, now I had to answer to them. And I had to show up the next day on the bottom rung. And the, very, the number one thing I did, Brian, is it's the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. It's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, because it made me live my truth. All those years, dude, I had been living a, a, a lie, a mask. I wanted people to believe I had it going on, that I had all the answers. When secretly inside, I was crumbling. I, had a, a, I was in a toxic relationship, and I was drinking every single night till I passed out. Mm -hmm. And when all that happened, and I lost everything, 
and had to start over. I had to live my truth. And the very first thing I never will forget, a customer walked back there that I've known for years. I've been there, keep in mind, you know, 20 years, 22 years. He said, what are you doing back here? And I had the choice, I'll never forget. I had the choice to either make up something that, oh, the dealership decided to make some shifts, this is a better move for me. I could live that. Or I could tell them I got demoted. And that's exactly what I told them. I got demoted. End of story. I didn't have to live a lie anymore. And I didn't have to maintain a story that I was gonna continue to have to dance around and so everybody that would come back there, I told them, what are you doing back here, Marsh? I got demoted. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I wasn't creating the value of the store in my position that I was in. And so they had to make some decisions and I got demoted. But that's all right, I'll be back. And so that was my recovery, man. A recovery again, that's what I said. That, it was a, a climb back up where I had to, not to live my truth. And that's what my podcast is all about. I would, I'd said if I was going to, because I, I initially started the podcast, Brian, with Mr. How To. Yeah. I could put all the commas in yeah. the right place. I could tell you how to do everything. I could tell you what to do, but I wasn't living. And so when I started the podcast, the first two episodes were the how to's. And I said, you know what, dude, this is BS. I'm going to tell them everything. I've been bankrupt. I've been divorced. I, 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 I've been demoted. There are days where I don't even know how I'm going to eat. There are days where my relationship with my children are completely strained, if non-existent at all at times. But every single day I show up. And every single day I don't have to stay this way. And so I live my truth on my podcast. And whatever I'm going through, that's what I talk about. Because I know you may not be going through the same situation, Brian, but it damn sure rhymes. Yeah. And so I want you to know the sales life is a never settle mentality. Never settle. Keep selling your way through life no matter what. That's how I end the podcast every single time. Keep selling. I don't care what's happened to you in your life. I've well, everybody there. sales. Everybody sells. Yeah. Whether, whether and no you, matter what your situation is, man, you don't have to stop selling. Yep. Okay. You messed up. You gloriously effed up. Okay. What are you going to do from here? Get yeah. back up. And that's that's my story, man. That what a way to what I can't add anything to that, man. That was so good. Marsh Vice, you can find his sales life podcast, the sales life podcast, connect with him on LinkedIn. Marsh, man, this has been incredible. Thank you, man, for sharing your story, for coming on the intentional encourager podcast. I appreciate you, brother. Really do. I really appreciate our relationship, bro. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Mead. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place, can be an intentional.